30 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me is Richard Benson. Hey Martin, great to be here. 30 episodes, I can't believe that. I didn't even realise until we sat down today, it's been that many. I know, I didn't realise until I was, obviously we've had a few special editions of the show, some interviews and things like that and uh, takeover specials, but yeah, I didn't realise until I was writing the notes today that it's uh, episode 30, I can't believe we've made it this long and um but something I wanted to bring up with you, Ben, I mean, we don't usually chat football on here, but as one of the blue half of Liverpool, I mean, uh, you must be pretty pleased this week that it seems your uh, red counterparts have uh, seemingly choked it on the Premier League again. I don't know. I I, I, ne- I would never count Liverpool out. Um, they're only, what, a point behind. Uh, I mean, they've lost their lead, obviously, but yeah, I think if I've learned anything from yeah, living in this area and living with that football club, I'd expect uh, the unexpected. Um, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs, though. I kind of thought watching the derby, it's like we're we're in a much better place than when Sam Allardyce was Everton manager. Um, I think a lot of people want the, the current manager out, but I definitely wouldn't agree with that. Uh, but it is kind of a sad state of affairs that the best thing we're going to do this year is draw nil-nil with Liverpool and, and you know, affect their, their title hopes, whereas they're actually going for the title. So, yeah, a little bit sad that that's kind of where we are in the, the football world right now. But, yeah, yeah, call me bitter if you like. There was definitely a, a little, little bit of enjoyment out of being maybe one of the teams that could uh, be their banana peel, even if yeah, I wasn't uh, jumping up and down or, uh, or a nil-nil finish on Sunday. Have you ever been to one? I mean, I live about 10 minutes away from uh, Hillsborough, so um, I always know if there's a Chef United, Chef Wednesday derby on, like there was uh, the other day, because I can always hear mm. helicopters uh, buzzing around my house. Um, I mean, have you ever been down to a Everton-Liverpool derby game? Yeah, I had a season ticket for a good four or five years. It was probably about four or five years ago now when I got rid of it. But yeah, I'd go. And I'd, I've never been to one at Anfield, I don't think, but I've been to the, the home derbies uh, quite a few times. And yeah, <laughs> It is as far as an atmosphere goes. It does. People refer to it as the friendly derby, but it gets very angry uh, in Goodison Park. Uh, it's kind of known for that for being uh, for being quite moody as it was on Sunday. Um, yeah, so it's maybe. I mean, although like two of my brothers, well, well, one of my brothers a Liverpool supporter, the other one kind of floats between both. He's young enough that he can get away with it. Um, but even with that said, and it, and you know being so intertwined in family in this city, when it comes to comes to those games, all better are off uh yeah and it does get, get quite moody but i struggle to watch them to be honest but if i watch them back on tv like i'll even this match i got to the 85th minute and i paused it and then i just let it go and then i, I basically watched the last five minutes on fast forward because i just i, I cut my nerves go uh, in matches like that but yeah they are they are great and uh it is it's kind of a one of the big big things this this city is famous for i just wish yeah we're everton were in maybe a, a bit of a better position um rather than yeah again playing spoiler to liverpool yeah, and I mean, uh, and you just heard him there coughing in the background. Joining us this week uh, from <laughs> Fighting Spirit magazine is uh, Will Cooling. Will, uh, thanks for coming back on the show. 
there's no trouble. I'm glad to be here. I actually live 10 minutes away from Molyneux. And so when you can sometimes hear when they're scored, because you can hear the cheer. Mm. Um, so yeah, no rules fan, but yeah, sometimes you can actually hear it. You can certainly see the traffic jams after afterwards when people try to leave. <laughs> that, that used to happen to me when I had my Everton season ticket. I live f- about five minutes walk from Goodison Park and I do actually remind me I remember watching a derby once on TV and I could actually I heard a goal go in through my window and it was just a spoiler I just couldn't enjoy couldn't enjoy the match because <laughs> I knew if anything big happened I was probably going to hear it through the window that's probably one of the negatives of uh, living close to those grounds yeah I always find um, especially when Wednesday are at home yeah trying to um, avoid going out as much as possible because like you both know they're the traffic jams and stuff like that especially on these old roads round uh, round Warcliffe's away yeah there's there's no chance but um, I mean Will moving away from uh, football and onto uh, onto uh, your story about Becky Lynch made the cover of a uh, Fighting Spirit yeah. magazine this month. Yes, it did. Yes, so I am. Um... I took a strong, controversial stance that Becky Lynch is really good and should get to headline WrestleMania. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was really interesting to write because it's basically just breaking down how she kind of turned her career around from SummerSlam because it's it's, it's a weird one with her because she really hadn't been featured on pay-per-views um, or, or major matches for a good two years before that match. And the way she's been able to just run with the ball over the past six, seven months has been really, really impressive. So, so yeah, so it's a shame that Charlotte's been shoehorned in. But uh, I think that, that's a great character that she's been able to kind of develop um, over the past few months. Yeah, definitely. She definitely seems like one of the uh, success stories from WWE this year. But... Um... Moving on to uh, British wrestling now, and we're going to leave the reviews for later in the show as there's so much news to get to this week. So uh, first up, um, following the announcement of Pac, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian, all elite wrestling have announced that B Priestley has been added to their roster. Uh, she's going to be debuting on their July show in Jacksonville that they announced the, the other week. I mean, um, I mean, I wasn't too gone on Brie Peace when she first started um, appearing for UK promotions, but I think um, she's built up quite a name for herself. Uh, you know, uh, many tours of Japan appearing for uh, for your likes of Progress, etc. And um, I think she'd be a perfect fit for the women's division here, Benno. Yeah, definitely. I think she's... I'm the same as you. Like, I've never really been a fan of her, and I think she carries that rep still. You know, people who saw her early on. Um, but, you know, just, you know, we're going to talk later about a match out with Millie McKenzie in progress, which I thought was solid. There's still those odd moments where you'll get maybe the odd botch from her, um, the odd shaky moments. But all in all, she's definitely a much more confident wrestler, you know, following a tours of Japan. Um, and, yeah, I think she's, she's you know, an interesting pickup from AEW. They're definitely, you know, we three weeks in a row now talking about English signings at AEW. They're certainly trying to plant a flag. I think. I think those again on the football tip. Those uh, those Fulham uh, connections uh, mm-hmm. that the Carr family have got. There's a there's definitely a connection to the UK, and they they seem to be uh, poisoning themselves to take advantage of it. Um, there's definitely. I mean, I would say there's definitely definitely better free agent women's wrestlers uh, in the world than, than B Priestley. But I think she she offers uh, something interesting there. I'm I'm doing my best not to mention the name of, of Will Ospreay because I don't want to turn into the, the ITV World of Sport commentators when the first thing she when she, she walked out he said look it's the girlfriend of Will Ospreay mm. but as a news story it does make me interested as to whether you could see maybe Will Ospreay follow her in that direction as well but even if he doesn't it's a it's a 
you know a place where you know she can uh, she can maybe get a bit more of a name for herself and uh, and see how she uh, she stands on her own two feet. It also continues a trend of them picking up people they've wrestled in the past because she had a match with Brandy, and she was part of that Fight Forever tour that both of the roads did back in December. So I think that they certainly seem to be. You wonder how much scouting they're doing or how much they're relying on people they've seen at indie shows that they think are good. Yeah, that's a good point. I think all of the, it's like you noted there, with all of the uh, people they've uh, signed from the UK so far, of them pack, uh, were on those uh, Fight Forever shows at the tail end of the year. So it seems um, a lot of people were making impressions on uh, Cody and Brandy there. And um, moving on to uh, New Japan, at the start of the year, it was announced that they were going to be running the Copper Box Arena in London on the 31st of August. And uh, then they released a really terrible logo for it. It looked like something that was made on createacoatofarms.com. And um, they revealed that the show was going to be called Royal Quest. And uh, they've since announced that uh, the three big guns of Tanahashi, Okada and Naito are going to be appearing. And Red Pro subsequently announced they'll be running their annual Summer Sizzler event the day before on the Friday and uh, show at the cockpit on the Sunday so quite the weekend and a capacity of 7,500 you'd think that uh, New Japan are going to be looking to fill this thing by now yeah, it feels like a, a proper New Japan show that, that's in the making here uh, yeah that you mentioned the logo, logo aside, that was, it is, it was pretty much the NXT UK logo, wasn't it? Just repurposed. Uh, you know, you think of the UK, you think of Lions. Uh, that's kind of, that's where, that's where uh, these designers are going. Uh, so while I think there was a bit of negativity because of the logo and because I think they made, they made an announcement one week, didn't they? Saying, you know, we've got a big announcement coming. Mm. And then they said, oh, oh, it's coming at whatever time, Japan time, which was 3 a.m. in the UK. And then they didn't even bother doing the announcements at 3 a.m. in the UK for the people who did stay up. And then that announcement was just, we're going to have three big names. Uh, all of that was quite mismanaged. I'm glad they've, you know, they put, they've come forward now and actually name those names. You know, like you say, being Okada, Night Out, Tanahashi, big names. You know, the, 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 it's not going to be a, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a New Japan B show. I think a lot of, there was a lot of complaint with the the Rev Pro New Japan shows last year, whether people think that's that's fair or not. Um, but those shows were very much Rev Pro shows featuring New Japan. These feel like the proper thing. So hopefully it brings more people out. I don't know if it's going to bring that many people out. Or I can't see it drawing you know that many thousands. Um, but like you say, it being a big weekend there, uh, I'm tempted to come down for for Sizzler the day before, and yeah, the cockpit after would make it. A really good uh, triple shot. Those cockpit uh, tickets will probably be like gold dust, uh, you know, being such a, a small venue. Uh, but yeah, definitely a destination weekend uh, this year. Um, so yeah, it'll be, a, be interesting to see uh, how they do and uh, maybe the the extent of the Rev Pro involvement as well. I think I'd personally keep that stuff quiet for now and just you know go full board ahead with it, with it being a full New Japan show, maybe with the odd guest star and yeah, just uh, avoid maybe that branding confusion that we got last year. Yeah, I think the interesting thing, first of all, you'd think the Japanese would avoid the American emphasis on the royal family. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> you know, we, we constitutional monarchies need to stick together and not make fun of it as being a silly idea. Um, on the, how much it will sell, the one thing to bear in mind, no, no and obviously, Anthony Corden's a person kind of doing the logistics, usually quite cautious when it comes to booking uh, arenas. Obviously, he has the information about how many people he actually sold those New Japan tickets to last year. Mm. And my, the kind of feeling I get is that most people only did one of those shows. 
that actually a surprisingly small proportion did both just because they were so spread out across the country. So I'm sure his thing is is that you know, we sold four or five unique tickets across the weekend. If we do a bigger show, that's one off. We should hopefully be able to sell over five, six thousand. Other thing on the copper box is actually part of the same team that runs your call. So they're the ones that actually control the venue. And I actually know someone who's been there for handball and says it's actually quite a nice arena. So I think it'd be quite interesting to see how that works because potentially you don't have another venue that can be used for major major wrestling events in Britain and that doesn't have a long-established relationship with uh, WWE. Mm. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, WWE haven't looked into it before because it's, uh, you know, like an out of there, 7,500 seems like. Uh, I know they usually run the O2 and stuff in London, but with their diminishing uh, sort of like numbers that they're drawing over here, I mean, that, we all saw the pictures from that SmackDown TV taping. It looked uh, looked barely full, didn't it? And um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if WWE are, were looking at that as a, as a venue. I'd not really considered that. And um, But, I mean... Sticking with Japanese news, uh, Joel Redman has been announced for the uh, All Japan Champions Carnival in April. And uh, Redman's someone who's been pretty quiet as of late. He was Oliver Gray in NXT many moons ago when it was uh, just come over from uh, FCW, even holding the NXT tag belts with Neville. And um, he appeared for Red Pro a number of times and had an ill-fated tag team with Charlie Sterling. But, I mean, that was back in 2017. He doesn't really seem to be wrestling that much anymore. So it seems a, a very left-field announcement here, Will. Yeah, I sometimes feel you get that with a lot of these Japanese tournaments. It's like the big American being Joe Dorin doesn't really do anything in America. And sometimes you wonder, is the pay per show just not enough for kind of taking the more popular, well-known British performers um, away from Britain for a prolonged period of time. Like you particularly see with things like the New Japan tournaments, where you know, you'd think, like, why not get Chris Brooks in? Why not get an Aussie Open in? But maybe they are coming to these guys too late for too little money, um, given how many bookings these guys already have lined up. Yeah, that's true. And it, it, it's, it's just, I, I don't know, for me, Benno, it just seems like a, like a name that, you know, Joel Redman's not someone you've heard of pretty much. I don't think I heard his name mentioned at all in 2018. Yeah, it's a weird lineup in general. Sam Adonis is in there as well. It's just, you're right. So where do they get these names? I mean, Joel Redman's still, a, I mean, he's still on Twitter under Oliver Gray. You know, I don't think he wants to lose his verified tech. Maybe that's why. Uh, but he's kind of like, he does feel like a relic of the past. And yeah, you mentioned the team with, with Park, where he was basically just the other guy on that team. His team with Charlie Sterling, again, Charlie Sterling, for me, kind of stood out out of the two. Uh, yeah, he's just not a, a name that's that's ever done a lot for me. He's obviously always had that Johnny Ace creator wrestler looks good in trunks look uh, where you would have imagined, you know, 10 years ago, he's somebody who would have, you know, got quite far in WWE. But yeah, I, I could only assume he's working shows that are completely off our radar because I'd almost forgotten he existed until this announcement. And, you know, maybe it puts him more on the radar. Maybe, you know, maybe Rev Pro could consider using him and, and Charlie as a team maybe at some point. But he's never really offered anything past the look for me. Um, so, you know, I know all Japan isn't what it used to be, but it is a you know promotion that is quietly, you know, getting buzz. Um, it, it's, you know, quite, you know, in the spectrum of New Japan promotions, it's still, you know, it's, it's nowhere near New Japan at this point. And I don't think Joe Redman's going to be the man to make the difference. But... It 
it will be, you know, interesting to see how exactly, you know, he fares, you know, tearing it up with, with their roster and, yeah, whether it means that he does get maybe more bookings out here now that we've we've all remembered he even exists in the first place. Yeah, because it's funny because he was Okada's first opponent, weren't he, when he That's right, yeah. came over to the UK at the at York Hall. So, yeah, it's um, it's just weird what how his <laughs> career's... Uh, seems to have gone because like you said he's got he's got the look and everything and he seems mm. like he could get be a lot more bookings if he wanted so perhaps he's got other interests outside wrestling and um <laughs> i mean we talked on the show a while back about the big fightmare show happening on june the 2nd at carrow road the stadium of norwich football club an event run by the knight family featuring norwich city footballer grant holt of all people and um and more recently than that, the UK premiere of Fighting With My Family, the new film based around the Knight family and Paige's journey from the UK to WWE, uh, Paige announced that she'll be making an appearance at the event on June the 2nd. And, um, I mean, Benno is quite the undertaking running um, running a, a football ground, isn't it, for a WAW here? Yeah, it is. I mean, it sounds like what they're, they're trying to do is the ring's going to be in the corner by the corner flag. And they're going to basically fill the two stadiums in the corner. At least that was the the plan as it was described when they first put tickets on sale. But, you know, maybe the fact that they're doing a Grant Holt and Billy Gunn tag team might, uh, might get the people in Norwich out, uh, as well as the, you know, the father versus son uh, night angle that they're doing on the show as well. Um, you know, the, the whole uh, Roy Knight versus Ricky Knight Jr. thing, uh, which I think is, you know, I, I do like Ricky Knight Jr. I've not seen him in a good year or so since he did uh, the, I think it was the Road to Glory show in PCW last year um, but you know it's it's getting attention the film is obviously you know it's all over. I've not quite seen it yet myself but yeah. I'm here. it's weird being I'm in work just talking to people and going oh you like wrestling have you seen that new film I went to see it last night it's really yeah. good people in non-wrestling circles seem to be really liking it as a film so I can't blame them for trying to yeah, take advantage of the buzz of that. Take advantage of the fact that they've got Grant Holt, and obviously take advantage of the fact that they've got Billy Gunn and Page coming in too. So yeah, it'll be be interesting to see what the you know. There's no, obviously no limit there. I wonder what the maximum you know a show like that can do for a for a WAW because yeah, it's not a not a promotion we you know we often uh, see a lot of uh, in the headlines. Well, the gimmick of shoving the ring into the corner so in that boxing often uses where they have. Some- smaller shows in open-air stadiums, but I think they've talked about trying to beat, if not ICW's record, at least progresses, so they can say it's the biggest show in England for, you know, 30 years. So they might be able to do that if it becomes a big enough mainstream thing in Norwich. Um, maybe have Red Bulls like Delia Smith or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be quite funny, old Delia coming out there to uh, to uh, pay for this show. And um, moving on to uh, Progress now, and uh, we'll be reviewing their latest show, uh, Chapter 84, later in the show. But they, they seem to have been going announcement crazy the past uh, week or so. Um, I mean, we'll start off with the announcements they've made for their annual Super Strong Style 16 tournament. The uh, It's usually held over three days at Alexander Palace on the 4th, 5th and 6th of May, and Names announced for the tournament so far are Trevor Lee, Aerostar, Travis Banks and Ilya Dragunov. I mean, uh, Benno, what's your thoughts on the entrance so far and any others that uh, you might that we might possibly see in there? Aerostar is interesting because 
it's another one of those wrestlers where, I mean, I personally don't spend a lot of time watching Lucha Libre. He's the type of wrestler you'll see like a really cool gif of him doing an awesome spot or an awesome dive in a multi-man match or, you know, that, that ridiculous, uh, he was kind of like a spaceman in Lucha Underground. That was kind of my other uh, exposure to him. Uh, and I'd imagine there's most people in the in this part of the world's exposure to him. Um, yeah, he's someone who, like, just from speaking to people I know who follow, you know, Lucha Libre a lot more closer than me, they were kind of saying, yeah, he's he's a good highlight real wrestler, but as far as singles matches go in a tournament like this, he's kind of, you know, unproven. Uh, maybe listeners can can correct me on that, but yeah, I've, I've certainly not uh, been recommended a long list of uh, Aerostar singles matches, but he's different. Uh, he offers something different to a tournament that was starting to feel very WWE-centric. You know, obviously, you mentioned Travis Banks being announced. Ilya Dragunov being announced was probably, uh, you know, always come in trevor lee's an interesting one you know it's we're in a real world now aren't we where you, you get signed to a wwe contract and the first thing that wwe do is send you to progress mm. i mean <laughs> trevor lee's been in this country and on the indies for a long time and available to progress and they've never used them uh interesting that the progress are almost acting a bit like what what evolve do here and in, in giving the new WWE signee some work. I don't know whether the end game is he ends up in NXT UK or, you know, it's uh, just a, a way to give him some work before he debuts proper on NXT. Um, I'm not complaining. I like Trevor Lee. He's a really good wrestler. Just uh, an interesting way to, to make a debut for me. Well, I suppose you say uh, Aerostar might be out of left field, but they, they seem to have uh, had a few Lucha Libre guys at Super Strong Style uh, every year, don't they? I mean, um, I can't, I'm trying to remember who, who they had last year. It wasn't well, Phoenix. Um, Lomita? Yeah, that was it. Oh, yeah, and I think they've had somebody else as well along for uh, Super Strong Style as well. Um, I mean, is anybody jumping out to you, Will, from uh, the announcement so far of Super Strong Style Weekend? <laughs> Trevor Lee, to be honest, because like I've seen it, well, you've seen him in, in uh, Impact, and it's like he's all right. But I saw some of the stuff he's done for the American Indies more recently, and he's actually really good. But the the one issue with him is he's really good if you let him work long matches. So to get the most out of him, they're going to have to let him go to at least to quarters and probably even the semi-finals because that's why he's he's kind of underrated because people are used to seeing him in these like ten fifteen minute ma- X division matches. Mm-hmm. Where like I saw him have a great one one hour draw against AC, ACH, and that and you actually look at people who watch say his stuff in CWF say that he is best when he's allowed to slow things down and kind of work on his heel mannerisms and do chain wrestling and so how they use him I'm quite intrigued by it. but yeah no, when I, I saw Trevor Lee it's like oh that that's interesting I'm I'm quite intrigued how they match him up with the uh, uh, Arrowsmith. Uh, Obviously, the thing with him is they can just defeat him in the first round and then hide him in uh, various multi-man matches if, yeah. if they want to get the most out of him. It's weird, though, this year, because obviously this time last year, it was, you know, everyone was like, oh, well, Travis Banks is going to win it. I mean, could you pick a winner this year, Benno? No, that's kind of the story of progress right now, isn't it? It's like, yeah, we're in a state of flux. We're in a state of, you know, changing of the guard, really, with, you know, losing some guys from top, trying to put some flat 
fresh guys in the middle of the roster. I mean, there's already 20 people on the roster with title shots anyway, so <laughs> what's another one? Um, but yeah, it's kind of hard to pick. Um, you know, if, they, if they're going as they did last year, you know, straight into the, the big September show with, you know, whoever wins this, it'll give you an indication of, of how their, their booking's going to go. I could I could see it being Ilya. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'd do it. I'm not sure he's really connected to the, the progress audience to the extent that you know, he maybe should have at this point. I could see it being Chris Ridgway. Um, again, we're going to talk about that chapter later on where he put in a, a hell of a shift in the main event. Uh, maybe that could have turned progress heads as to, as to what they're going to do. But I think that kind of speaks to like a problem uh, with progress right now. There's there's no one obvious. There's no one that obviously is going to be there next. You know, big main eventer who's going to be the guy to, to topple Walter. So yeah, as we've talked about a couple of times on this show, it's kind of open to anybody right now. Uh, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who stands out in general over that weekend, never mind who wins it. The interesting question as well is, who will the champion be? Because obviously, we'll get we'll get on to the big match they've announced um, in a second. But obviously, you have Eddie Dennis walking around with his title shot. If he ends up as a champion going into September, could they potentially want to do uh, a rematch with him and Mark Andrews, kind of give those guys a second chance mm. to uh, have a great match? Huh. Um could you see, could they use some from the uh, the DNR um, faction against Eddie Dennis? Like, so a lot of that thing will depend on who the champion is by September, yeah. which, again, is just as open as Owen's super strong style. Yeah, very true. It could be anybody, couldn't it? At this point, it could be a completely different progress by that point. Mm. I could see Jordan Devlin being involved. That that's mm. that's a name that's that sneaks out to me. Is you know we had a great show in that was kind of his coming out party in progress, wasn't it? Last year, mm. and a super strong style weekend. It would be you know it'd be it'd be a nice story if he if he won the thing this year. But yeah, as with everything in progress like now, as you say, well, it's it's so hard to predict even who even who the champion is. Never mind who the challenge is going to be come September time. Yeah, and just to correct myself, it was Travis Banks two years ago, wasn't it? Not last year. I mean, um, it seemed obvious about Tyler Bate before he picked his injury up, uh, <laughs> last year. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do. And, uh, I mean, uh, you alluded to it there, Will. Uh, they also announced that uh, Progress Champion Walter is going to face off against Atlas Champion Trent Seven in a unification match. So it seems uh, they're finally getting rid of the Atlas belt, which uh, didn't quite had the best of starts with um, a weird tournament they had, but had a memorable run with Matt Riddle as champion with him defending it all over Europe and the US. Um, but hasn't really been that significant since Walter vacated it last year, Benno. No, it hasn't. I think I like this idea. I would have done this when Walter vacated it. it I mean, better late than never. Um, I think they've found that you can't just, every time you get a new champion, let's do the Open Challenge. It's like the, the US Open Challenge on WWE TV, isn't it? You, going back to that well with Trent was kind of a, a sign that they didn't have a, a huge amount of ideas. Uh, yeah, this probably should have happened sooner, and I would have liked it maybe a bit more if if maybe Walter had made a bigger deal about Trent being Atlas champion. You know, if, maybe if there'd been a couple of promos here or there with... Walter saying that he's not happy with, you know, Trent being the, the Atlas champion and doing comedy matches. Just something like that to give an indication that Walter actually wants the belt because why would he want the belt after he just threw it away this time last year? Um, but again, minor complaints really because we've got to the point that they probably should have got to a long time ago um, in, in unifying the belt. The Atlas belt was a, a nice gimmick to have for a while, uh, a nice you know turning on its head of the way weight divisions usually work in wrestling because the secondary belt is usually the cruiserweight belt, not the, the big heavyweight belt. But yeah, it's, it's time is definitely up um, and it just makes sense to 
likely have Walter just be the double champion and just be the, the single big champion in progress. I don't even think they need two belts at this point. See, that's interesting because I think Trent's winning. Because I, I, I just think Walter's tidying up all loose ends and... You, you can say that about Trent there. as well, though. You could say Trent's in that same position. Uh, I guess so. That would, why, why you could see, I could easily see Trent be the transitional guy for Eddie Dennis. Um, mm. But to me, I mean, it's a weird one because I, mean, I was looking at it um, earlier today. It's like, obviously, Trent's been in progress for three years now. Do you know how many single, one-on-one singles matches he's had? Well, I'd imagine most of them happened this year because uh, I can't yeah. think of a huge amount before that. He's had 13, of which seven have been have been in this run with the Atlas title. <laughs> um, um, so it's quite incredible. But um, no, I'm really looking forward to this. I think Trent is both very popular and very underrated as a singles performer. So I think that his chance to kind of do a big boy match against Walter um, is actually a really big platform for him, uh, which I think would be great. The... The merging of the divisions was necessary because, like, the original idea was a cute joke based on the fact that Progress tended to book smaller guys as its champion. Mm. But that's not been true for a while. So you're really struggling to get these heavyweights to actually be challengers. Like, I think that, uh, this weekend they've got Jody Fleisch as an Atlas <laughs> division champion. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just don't think they have the roster to have a super heavyweight uh, division. And why would you have one when Walter is your main champion anyway? So, yeah, merging the two titles is for the best. And I do think, you know, it will be a match where people won't know who will win because, you know, Walter could leave progress any minute now. I mean, you mentioned Trent seven singles must have seen progress there. I think his most memorable one was that seven-second loss to uh, Matt Riddle. I think that was a super strong start weekend, yeah. (laughs) And um, I mean, they previously announced that they'll be hosting a Keiju Big Battle show as part of the weekend on the Friday. Uh, that was originally at the Dome in Tufnell Park, and uh, this has now moved on to uh, Alexander Palace and will take place on after the first day of Super Strong Sale. So yeah, quite the weekend of uh, shows if you're uh, heading down to London for that one. And um, not done with the announcements there. They've also announced uh, two shows for September. They've got Chapter 95, and that'll be at Alexander Palace as well on the 15th of September. And then they've got the latest version of their Natural Progression series, where the winner of a tournament gets a title shot on the 14th, uh, the day before, at the Electric Ballroom. And, I mean, um, it's interesting with this big show in September. Do you think this means uh, that they won't be returning to Wembley or they're going to be holding that one off until uh, Chapter 100 later in the year, Benno? Oh, that's a point I hadn't really thought about, the, the Chapter 100 uh, idea. Maybe that then, but I, I kind of read it as them realising what progress is right now. It's not as hot as it was this time last year or the year before. Uh, I know the, the next chapter in Camden did you know sell out immediately, like cha- sell out to the past, and that's mainly because they actually announced some matches for once. So maybe that's a, that's a lesson in promoting in some ways. But I do think progress feels a bit cooler. I think Wembley was... You know, a nice idea, you know, for last year, a nice big event that everyone can say we went to this big, you know, quote unquote, independent wrestling event. uh, And it happened at Wembley. Uh, Maybe it's a realization of, yeah, it might be might be tough to 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 redo that this year, considering, you know, they've slowed down as far as. Um, shows that they're putting on this year and you know they've obviously got the, those those famous non-progress commitments as well 
maybe they don't fancy the headache of of attempting Wembley again this year. So yeah, for me, I kind of read it as a conceding that you know uh, as far as a big show goes Ali Pali is still big um, that will still do for September um, and, and that's kind of how I read it but yeah interesting maybe maybe it, it could be a, a sign that they'll use it for something else uh, like you say a chapter one you know a 100 show or a, or even an idea of doing you know the uh, an NXT UK joint show or something uh, although I'd have my doubts on, on that on that on that product Phil and Wembley um, yeah it's kind of kind of hard to say but personally I think my read is more that it's a, a concession uh, more than anything I don't know about you Will no see I, I think there's a good chance of maybe looking at with an eye on chapter 100 because that should be early next year maybe January February time next year the one thing is I do think they might struggle withdrawing at that weekend because it's only two weeks after those big that big Rev Pro New Japan weekender. Mm. Are you really going to get very true? Yeah, lots of people down to London, uh, especially uh, Northerners like me. You got them by the trains last time. Um, yeah, <laughs> it might be it might be an ask to ask to, for people to be traveling long distances that close. Um, and, you know, natural progression, one-night tournament, is that enough to entice people down the day before? Yeah, so I have my doubt. So I, 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 I could see them winning a bigger building again, but I think this might be, a, this might be more of a struggle than they, uh, than they think. Yeah, I mean, um, they've not come back to that uh, big venue they ran. Uh, it was a Victoria Warehouse in Manchester. They've not run that again either, have they? So, uh, like you say, Benno, perhaps uh, their popularity has uh, dwindled quite a lot since last year. And, um, but... and by the way, that's a real shame because I love that venue. That's one of the nicest venues for wrestling in the country. And it has good rum, which is unheard of in British wrestling <laughs> venues. Here as well. Um, well, I don't care about beer. But yeah, they actually had they actually had Old Jay, which is a really nice rum, so... Uh, some promotions don't even have dark room. You know, <laughs> That's the important stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start reviewing the promotions based on what brand of rum they sell. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, um, they've got three more chapter shows uh, this month alone in March. They've got two this weekend in Birmingham, Bournemouth, respectively. And at the end of the month, uh, the usual home of the Electric Ballroom in London, we'll just go through some of the cards. Uh, so coming up this weekend, you've got Chapter 85, uh, that's the Bournemouth show, first time they've run Bournemouth. Uh, some names, uh, they've got a few debuts there. El Fantasmo against Travis Banks. I don't think Fantasmo has paid progress before, unless someone wants to correct me. Yeah, he did that uh, that 70s throwback show um, yeah. for, as a random one, and then he just disappeared again. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Austin Theory against Jordan Devlin, and Helico against DJ Z. The 198 against the Anti-Fun Police, uh, Session Moth Martina against Millie McKenzie, Jody Fleisch against Trent Seven, and then uh, Do Not Resuscitate against Eddie Dennis, Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins. Uh, anything jumping out on that uh, first Bournemouth show for you, Benno? No. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a Progress B show, if I ever heard of one. That's a, a Carrot is going on the same weekend show, if I ever heard of one. Um, I mean, mate, it, it, it's fresh. I'll give it that. Sorry, Will. I could say I made a joke that, that this feels an awful lot like um, the Raws in 97 when ECW invaded, and I can't think why. Um, there might be some sort of coincidence in certain, involved in a certain country, because yeah, it's just like their main guys aren't there, and so they're just grabbing people they can find. The really interesting one, actually, is the fact that they don't have Chris, uh, Chris Ridgway for that uh, Bournemouth show. 
because he's chosen to ambition over main progress booking, which is just I think kind of shows you the relative weight people place on the two promotions. Like it's one thing people skip in progress because they're booked for carrots, mm-hmm. but you know, ambition over progress, I think that that's quite striking. Yes, I'd not I'd not really thought about that one. And uh, DJ Z seems like um, obviously most well known for his uh, work in TNA and Impact. Um, but yeah, not a name I've heard, heard for a while there, um, unless he's doing a lot on the US Indies. So interesting they fetched him in. And uh, then the next night in Birmingham, Chapter Eighty Six, they've got DJ Z against Jody Flash, and then. Uh, a six uh, women tag team match: Ginny Casey Owens and Laura Di Matteo v Martina, Millie McKenzie, and Nina Samuels. There, Benno. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I, I I've been to pretty much all of the Progress Birmingham shows. If it wasn't Carrot Weekend, I think I'd probably go anyway. But I probably wouldn't be going for that card. It's a interesting card. Uh, great to see that you know. Team White Wolf are getting some bookings from Progress. You know, great to see Jody Fleisch is continuing to, to be used. Uh, I think there's, you know, he's had a pretty uneventful run so far, you know, much more uneventful than I maybe expected him, him coming into Progress. I'd rather see him and Johnny as a team uh, in Progress. I think they could really, really offer something different. But, yeah, not a hugely attractive card. Uh, at least they've got Trent there with Austin Theory, so we can draw, you know, some of, some of your con- compatriots there, Will, uh, yep. from the local area. Um, so I think that one will do better. It'll draw better than the bomb the show. But again, I don't think it's going to be to do with the card. It's more to do with the fact that it's progress back in Birmingham. Yeah, the, I, I went to the last one. I really didn't enjoy it. But I think that's because everybody was in a weird mind space because it was Clash from the World Cup final. And probably the most important match they've got booked for that is Ridgeway versus Trevay mm. for a, a super strong style qualifier. And that's weird because I'd have thought both of them would have been in it, to be honest. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it'd be quite interesting to see who, who goes over there because, given the momentum he's got after the, um, the the match with Walter, you'd assume he gets in. But then, what do you do with Trevane? Mm. Yeah, for me, I think it's too early to have uh, Trevane super strong style, especially being part of the Do Not Resuscitate because that mm. has just died a death, really, hasn't he? he had a promising oh, star, gotcha. but yeah, I mean they had. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but Haskins pretty much did him over by himself, didn't he? You know, so yeah, it, yeah. it shows what faith they're putting into that one. But um, I suppose the more exciting cards at the end of the month, uh, chapter eighty-seven. We've got uh, oh yeah, some cracking tag matches here. We've got uh, CCK uh, Brooks and Gresham against uh, LAX. Obviously, that's the third time they've faced off in progress. And then uh, we've got a TLC match, Sordovesic, uh Progress Tag Team Champions Paul Robinson and Will Osprey taking on Aussie Open and then uh, Lucky Kid against Tristan Archer. So uh, that's another uh, super strong style 16 qualifying match. So uh, really exciting card so far there for uh, the Electric Ballroom show at oh. the end of the month, Benno. Oh, um, that, that is one that I'm tempted to go to. If, if Virgin do their, their yearly sale, I will be buying a train ticket to go down to that because right now they're about 80 quid, so I'm not spending that. But I am that, that is a card that I, I would definitely like to get to. I think just based on the, the two big tag matches there, CCK LAX, again, 
Aussies and Swords of Essex. I know they've obviously had their issues with tables and they've made their own jokes about doing another TLC match so soon. Maybe I wouldn't have done that, but just to see, based on the chapter we're going to talk about in a little bit, those two teams go at it again. Yeah, the, those two matches could easily talk me into a, to traveling down. That's the, again, the Bournemouth and the Birmingham shows aren't, don't really feel like uh, proper progress, but that feels like a real, well, at least what progress is these days, a real progress show. Um, and one that, yeah, it's, it's no surprise with that list of matches you just reeled off that it, that it sold out immediately. And yeah, definitely, definitely one that uh, tempted me to make the trip. It's also interesting. That's the first of what might, I think, a couple of times it clashes with the cockpit shows. Yeah, so, yeah, interesting. So it's going to be... Um, a lot of people were like on double duty, you'd assume? Well, I think I think the cockpit cop, end around at the same time as progress. I, I don't think there's... You might get a couple of people who can get across, but they'd have to yeah. wrestle fairly early. Um, yeah, very true. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting. Me and it's a cracking lineup, and to be fair, like I was never a final book in TLC for Dennis Andrews, but actually, this has been well set up, and the, 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 the teams and the issue between them was actually actually suit a TLC match, and it means they can get the belts off Swords of Essex um, without embarrassing the never openweight champion. Mm. Yeah, well, I'd assume that Lucky Kid's going to be the guy going in super strong style sixteen there from that match. Oh yes, yeah. I think uh, Lucky Kid's uh, growing his uh, reputation in the uh, British Indies. So, and I think I think he'd be a good addition. Actually, he 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 he's probably better in tags, but he, there's certainly con- he certainly creates connection with um, mm. with the fans. So I'd be quite keen to see him in the uh, Super Strong stuff. Yeah, he's someone who can definitely see making. Uh, again, I don't want to rag on him too much, but you know, talking about Ilya Dragunov, and he's you know, struggled a little bit to make a connection with British fans based on the evidence I've seen of of seeing Lucky Kid out there, you know, for defiant wrestling and seeing him do attack. He's someone who, who's very maybe in a quiet way getting himself over with British audiences. And yeah, if if Progress fans aren't already aware of him, uh, he's definitely someone who I think he's going to make a big name for himself this year. And yeah, he'd be a he'd be a perfect. To, to that weekender yeah he's got Always a personality hasn't he mm. definitely like you say definitely a fan favourite after a couple of matches with a promotion yeah mm. always helps a lot of to tip to Mafia as well so, I mean, uh, moving on to NXT UK, I mean, we talked last time around about the spring-summer schedule for NXT UK running in Glasgow at the Download Festival in Plymouth. Um, and they've also announced some uh, new signees, uh, the big one being Ilya Dragunov, who was introduced on the press release as uh, Ilya Rukoba. And um, we've also got the former alpha female Jazzy Gabert, Kaylee Ray, Primate Jay Melrose, who's mostly known for his work in Defiant, um, but he, people might forget he also had a brief run as a, in a tag team in progress a few years back. And um, Oliver Carter rounding it. Oliver Carter um, from Switzerland, mainly wrestles in Germany, but also made a couple of appearances for uh, Red Pro a couple of years back. Uh, not many surprises in there, Benno. I mean, uh, Ilya was probably the worst kept secret of uh, Brit Rest <laughs> this year, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm glad they've just stopped flirting and they've they've gone straight into the full relationship now. It's uh, it's done. We know it's happening. Um, yeah, we always knew it was happening. Yeah, I think that was that was expected. Kaylee Ray and, and Viper. Um, again with the 
ITV World of Sport were playing hot potato on their recent tour, weren't they, with their women's title? Because I think they knew they were losing those two. Um, they, about, to be honest, big loss because I think you know, Will, you said it before. ITV World of Sport was could have put their right foot forward if they'd have really got behind their women's division and, and done something you know strong with that. And I think Kaylee Ray and Viper could have been the leaders of that. Um, as far as them, you know, disappearing into the abyss that is NXT UK. Uh, I've got relatively positive hopes for the two of them because I think both of them are, are strong personalities and both strong in ring as well. So hopefully they won't get lost in the shuffle. Um, and yep, you know, uh, Primate's a, a really, that's a nice story, isn't it? You know, for him, he's someone who looked like he was retiring this time last year. He'd become the GM of Defiance. He was really good in that role as well. Uh, quite uh, quite charismatic, uh, surprisingly so. Uh, he's not been great on NXT UK TV. He's just, a, he's kind of the prototypical NXT UK guy, ball guy, beard, tattoos, checks all the boxes, doesn't he? As one of those uh, middle and NXT UK guys, but he does have the personality to stand out from the crowd. So yeah, maybe shouldn't shouldn't be a surprise they've signed him either. They've actually put him in a, in a team with uh, Wild Ball. It's kind of like a that's right, yeah, brutish kind of tag team, which you no, know, it works all right, I suppose. But you know, interesting. Side is, I just I do think one of the things with both. Um, Viper and uh, Kaylee Ray is do they understand what they've gotten in terms of the exposure they had, critical praise they had, because they were kind of just introduced um, at the Coventry tapings, where it's like, you know, you might have been able to sell some tickets if you'd have had like a major announced match with these kind of big stars from ITV. So again, it just, it just kind of underlines how, you know, in, in a year's time, we'll probably have all all forgotten world of sport ever existed because it just feels like it's <laughs> sinking without a trace but it is now on, in india um, so that's something yeah it, it hardly feels like the radicals turning up on wwf tv does it uh, <laughs> but, yeah, maybe it shouldn't yeah well sorry will you mentioned there about world of sport in what are they doing a tour of india or it's on tv no, in india it, it's on tv in india so the, the oh, first season is being shown in india so Oh, interesting. No, that'd be something to keep an eye out for. And um, I mean, before we get into our reviews, uh, WXW and OTT are putting on two of their biggest events of the year in the next couple of weeks. WXW hosting their annual 16 carat event this coming weekend on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then OTT are holding Scrapamania Five next Saturday. And Benno and Willie are both off to 16 carat this weekend. One of the biggest events of the European wrestling calendar. Uh, First round of matches have been announced, a number of other shows and events over the weekend, a bowling tournament that's got a load of traction behind it. I mean, (laughs) just briefly, do you both want to give us a rundown of some of the things that you're looking forward to this weekend? Well, I mean, the number one thing is is David Starr versus Walter on the uh, on the on the Friday night because obviously there's the famous story of. Out there, so can't be Walter, and it's it's going to come actually because they've been able to take that story around the loop. Like, you know, I'm by no means a hardcore WXW fan, but you know, I've seen that match of like Pro, I've seen it in progress. I, they've done it to Defined. Obviously, it's been a big part of OTT's recent storylines, and so hopefully, um, this might be the culmination. It feels like it's building to where Star finally gets his his victory, and if that happens, that place is going to come absolutely unglued because mm. well it might be a bit of a marmite figure um, elsewhere they they sure love david stone over housing mm. 
yeah, they do. Um, and yeah, they, I think it's it's the time to do it, really. In a in a time where we're all very unsure about where different wrestlers are headed, David Stark could get snapped up by someone anytime soon. Walter, you know, might not be as available as in the past. Yeah, it's definitely the time to do it. And yeah, it's a story that it's kind of something they've been able to keep on ice, haven't they? And let almost let other promotions tell the story. Like David Stars, like there's an awesome promo on uh, WXW's YouTube where he talks about you know having lost twenty odd times to to Walter. Um, you know, he came out. Uh, I watched their their last couple of shows, Dead Ends and that that Road Two show, and on Dead End, he came after a really emotional match between uh, Walter and uh, and Vite Muller. Um, he came out and, and, and cut a promo there saying that pretty much it wasn't even a promo. It was more Walter 16 carat. And that's all you really needed because the story has been so well told already. And yeah, if, if it is the, the moment where David Starr does finally, finally get one over on Walter, yeah, that, that place is going to come absolutely unglued and it's going to be another, another huge carrot moment. And uh, what other matches are you looking forward to this weekend then, Ben? I think from that first round of the tournament, I think there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Again, I mentioned, uh, watched the, the, the last Road 2 show, and they've been doing a feud with uh, Avalanche and, and Yern Simmons. Um, on their last show, it kind of, they had a, a brawl that went backstage. They did the gimmick where it went right through intermission, and out, you know fans are out having a smoke, and then out come the wrestlers, still brawling. Uh, <laughs> you never really got a conclusive finish. I think after the show, they put it on their YouTube, uh, I think Yern Simmons finally pinned Avalanche backstage after everybody had left uh quite funny uh maybe not the perfect tone for a feud like this but it, it's a couple of big lads who are going to smack each other around and in a falls count anywhere environment i think this is going to be good i think it'll be better than the uh marius uh, alani match uh, that, that we got last year with absolute andy that was a, a similar uh, kind of stipulation i think that'll be fun I think, again, in the first round, Ray Horace and Ray Phoenix. I mean, no build needed there. Two wow. incredible flyers. That are, That's a match where I'm going to be leaving the press area and I'll be right down on the floor just to, to be there seeing those two fly across the ring. That's going to be huge. Uh, I think Lucky Kid and, and Tim Thatcher uh, in that first round. Again, it's a rematch of the, the second round of last year. Um, you know, as we said earlier, Lucky Kid really does translate. He really stood out last year. He's a he's a sleeper pick for me for someone who could go quite far in the in the tournament this year. Um, interesting stuff they're doing with Tim Thatcher as well, where he's he's kind of teasing that you know Walter's gone off to WWE and you know obviously obviously uh, the man formerly known as Axel Dieter Junior has done the same thing and he's kind of saying well I've got to be in it for myself now. They're telling a an interesting uh, subtle story with him as well. So yeah, that should be fun. And Ilya Dragunov and Daisuke Sakamoto in that first round too. I mean you talk about a stat lineup and yeah. For a first round of a tournament, there's, I could I could probably name every match there as, a, as something I'm looking forward to. I mean, cause have you ever seen Sakamoto live, Beno? No, I haven't. It is freakish. I saw him against Tyler Bates. I know Tyler Bates, as if saying goes, is a big, strong boy. And they're roughly the same height. And Sakamoto is at least twice as wide. Demands a tank. Like he looks big on video, but it does not come. It it does not do him justice. Do mm. um, one other match I would highlight is uh, uh, Mott Davis versus Pentagon Junior. Now, obviously, both guys who like to uh, exchange with chops, and uh, I think that could be quite a lot, a lot of fun as well. Oh, definitely. Interesting that Kyle Fletcher's an alternate as well. He's in the alternate four way. Maybe he could mm. find his, uh, his way into the tournament too. Yes. But yeah, Davis and Pentagon will be awesome. And of course, we then have on night two is you have Bobby Guns challenging Absolute Andy 
for the uh, world title, and that should be pretty crazy too in terms of atmosphere. Um, you know, neither Bobby Gunn's Eli match, um, which kind of descended into competitive chanting. There won't be anybody cheering for Absolute Andy um, on yeah. the Saturday. This is Bobby Gunn's in a in a real world title match. Bobby Gunn's again talking about you know. You know, it's not all about the, the traveling fans, but he's someone the traveling fans really adopted um, over the last two big weekends in WXW. And yeah, this could be, again, another big moment. Uh, the thing is, do, I mean, WXW do like to, to tell their stories where you, you don't quite get to, to have your cake and eat it. You do get the, you know, the sad moments where a wrestler like Bobby Guns in the perfect moment does lose. They've been doing a bit of a story with his, you know, with his brother um, kind of being attacked. Um, by Absolute Andy and kind of being Bobby Gunn's shadow at the moment. I could see maybe a turn coming uh, that could that could affect that one too. But certainly it's going to be a huge moment in the building. That'll be great. The night three big match, Tony Storm and, and, uh, and Kayla Kelly. They've been doing some build for that over the last few shows as well. And you know, there's Tony Storm feeling very, very heelish in, in WXW in this setup. Uh, she's not the greatest promo in the world at building matches, but as far as, you know, a, a prime kind of the best of what we've got uh, women's match, I think that's that's really going to deliver. And we mentioned earlier on the show, the, the ambition tournament. It's just, it really is a festival of wrestling. There's so much going on over this weekend both in the main tournaments and uh, and the other stuff as well um you know tim thatcher's getting a, his dream match with yushi ishikawa which is going to be you know something to, to see too lots of brits in that ambition lineup um yeah there's just a whole host of uh, of incredible stuff uh, lined up over this weekend so yeah i i for one can't wait no i can't wait either well, uh, I can't be too jealous of you guys because um, I'm off to Dublin uh, a week on Saturday on St. Patrick's Day weekend of all things for uh, OTT Scrapmania 5 headlined by one of the biggest rematches of the year, John Devlin against Walt for the OTT Championship. I mean, before we get into the rest of the card, I mean, surely a Devlin win uh, is on the cards here, Will. You would think so. I mean, the, the the kind of the hype that is building for it. I think it's 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 it feels like the time to take it off. Like I have said, the heretical force in the past that you use it to establish um, a younger star. But I think it's time. You know, Devlin got that huge victory over David Starr. Um, so yeah, I, I think it just feels right that Devlin kind of beats Walt and, and picks up where he left off. Can you see Devlin winning here, uh, Beno? Yeah, I think it's 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 the time to do it. I don't think I think if you win it, you'd have to be really creative to find a way for Walter. I mean, we've already done David Starr, so for a, a way for Walter to come out of this and and beat Jordan Devlin, and you know, even give interest in a third possible match. I think I think the way to go here is yeah to to give people what they want on this. On this huge show, give Devlin that, that big that big moment. Jordan Devlin is Irish wrestling pretty much. He kind of personifies this this Irish wrestling boom. Uh, it would be a great moment to get to see him beat Walter, and you, you can still go to the third match in that route, and you know maybe do a rematch at some point with uh, Walter to cashing in a rematch and doing it again. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't re unless they surprise us again because I didn't see the David Starr thing coming. Uh, I can't really see a way out other than than going with Jordan Devlin here. Even if maybe you know he doesn't get a huge you know another long long title run, um, I think I think 
you know the press there's so much pressure there to for it to be a, a huge moment that yeah unless again unless ott are really creative i think that's the only way to go and they've also rounded the card out uh, they've got justin Lyder coming over to take on scotty davis who's like, been having a fantastic uh, year so far for ott they've got Dan Barry coming back over, who was a who's been a big hit uh, for the promotion, taking on David Starr. So that's a really interesting match they've got lined up there. I mean, uh, interesting to see what they'll do there because obviously Starr's just coming off that uh, loss to Devlin at the last show. They've got Modern Hype taking on the Rapture, Charlie Sterling, Charles Samuel, and Zach Gibson. I mean, they always get nuclear heat in Ireland, don't they? The Rapture uh, coming out, you know, saying everything gotcha. everything's great about Great Britain. So yeah, that's a <laughs> Looking forward to that. And then they've got the OTT women's title match. Raven Creed against Debbie Kaitel. We've been building that one up with uh, videos on the social media. So, yeah, Martina against Mako Satamora. And then also uh, they've announced that British Strong Style are going to be appearing. Not announced uh, a match for them. Whether we're going to be getting a British Strong Style 6 man. It seems uh, it will go down that way. So it'll be interesting to see who they match those up against with. Um, I mean, before we... Sorry. I think it's a great lineup. I love the kind of the video where they introduce British Strong Style. It's just such a quick, simple, but effective way. Nice play on the Love Is Blindness song. But that Miko Setamora Martina match, the build they've done for that, and you know, kind of people think, you know, Martina, no matter how people think she's a joke and she's going to use this match to prove that she can actually go. I think that's a really relatable story. And actually, that will be quite a key match of the night as well. Um, and who knows, maybe we might get a Martina match that cracks four stars. Well, yeah, it's interesting what they've been doing with Martina. Cause obviously, they had that cage match at homecoming the other month, and um, it seems she's trying to go full in on uh, being a more serious wrestler rather than, you know, all about the uh, banter, as she would put it. So, yeah, it, it will be interesting, and obviously a perfect opponent to make a look good with uh, Miko Setamora there. And, uh, I mean, just before we move on to our reviews, uh, Pro Wrestling even announced that Chris Wolf is going to be having a retirement match with them on the 26th of April at the Resistance Gallery in London. I mean, Chris Wolf, who's made quite a name for herself in Eva, appearing for the promotion a number of times, and uh, this will surely see them having a sellout and a stacked card here, Will. I mean, uh, I know you've been down to Eva and on a number of occasions. Yeah, this, this is... Um... Obviously, it's a very sad story. We spoke about it a couple of uh, shows ago, but you know, it's it's obviously very cool for Eve that they were asked by uh, Chris Wolf to kind of host their retirement show. Um, and if I, if if there are any tickets left by the time uh, April comes around, I'm certainly going to get one and go down because I think it's going to be quite a emotional night because she is one of the kind of like the nicest people you meet in British wrestling, but also she's just a great character that really comes across in those kind of live, small, intimate venues. So, yeah, this this, this feels like a must-see um, in terms of as, as, as far as the East show goes. Yeah, definitely, and she's definitely had some um, um, amazing character work, as you noted there. Um, but, yeah, moving on to our reviews now, and uh, the past couple of weeks saw the final NXT UK tapings from Phoenix and uh, the Royal Rumble weekend. And uh, as we noted last time around, these uh, were being held at the Access event in the corner of a convention centre. I mean, it wasn't the best look for them, and also the crowd was uh, totally dead for most of the matches. And um, But, I mean, fair play to them. I thought it was a slight improvement this week as the crowd seemed to liven up for a trio of matches as we had... Tyler Bate taking on Jack Gallagher, Walter against Cassius Ono, and uh, 
the NXT UK Tag Champs, James Drake and Zach Gibson taking on uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. Uh, I mean, from just this episode alone, I thought from an in-ring point, it was a str- quite a strong show from NXT UK. Bate and Gallagher had a decent technical match. Walter and Omino had a pretty solid match. I, I think the hero we saw against Walter for progress a few years back and the killer matches he had against Ishii and Subata in Red Pro, I think that guy's mm-hmm. gone now. Um <laughs> And then and then we had a really good tag match as a, a main event here, Benno, and I thought as far as NXT UK shows go, um, this was fairly solid from them. Yeah, well, look at that lineup. like you say. Jack Gallagher, Tyler Bate, Walter Cascasono, and Grizzled Young Vets against Lorcan and Birch. That's, they're three matches that should deliver, aren't they? And I think they all did to a point, though. It was all... They were, I think I enjoyed all three matches, but all three matches, I kind of thought, oh, I would have, I would have enjoyed seeing this on a bigger stage. Mm. Like Gallagher and Bates should be a bigger deal. I mean, I, for me, the first time I saw Tyler Bates, the first thing I said is he's the next Jack Gallagher. Back when Jack Gallagher was on the Indies, and I always thought that the Tyler Bates would fill in. You know, when Jack Gallagher left, he would fill in where Jack Gallagher worked, and it was a fun technical match. It was classic Jack Gallagher. You know, they they both looked like they were loving it out there. You know, going through roll ups and Tyler seeing the win. Maybe I could see it more as a as more of a series. Maybe Will can tell us if there's any sign of that with uh, with the tapings he went to. But yeah, I liked it. But again, it was something I thought, oh, this this should be bigger. And you know, Walter Ono. Um, I think, like, oh no, his better years are behind him, but I don't know if that's the environment and the story that they're running. I wonder if you did have him outside of WWE, whether he'd still be having those killer matches. But then again, maybe at this point in his life, he doesn't want to put his, his body through that, mm. so who can blame him? I mean, I get the idea. He's on a losing streak. Walter needs a big win. Uh, it just felt like a bit of a, maybe a truncated version of what would be in any other environment, a great match. It was, it wasn't a squash, but it was very one-sided. And I suppose, you know, it, it continued on the, the story they're telling with both men. So, you know, no huge complaint there. And yeah, I think the, again, the main event tag, great tag action. I think all elite wrestling, are, are kind of looking to build around tag teams. And I've said it before, NXT UK should do the same thing. Cause Grizzled Young Vets and Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch are both great teams. Uh, there was an incredible Danny Birch hot tag in this, if you can call it a hot tag, with the with the fans that were in that building. <laughs> they almost sounded like they cared. Um, but again, a really good match. But again, a definitive win for the Grizzled Young Veterans side. So, you know, you could look at it and say, well, these are three matches filled with almost guest stars, um, you know, to the NXT UK, you know, proper product. Uh, so it makes sense to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I do think you know they're all good matches in theory. I just think all three could have been a bit more in front of maybe a, a livelier crowd and and on a bigger occasion. But yeah, again, if NXT UK was like this every week, you wouldn't hear a, a huge amount of uh, complaints from me. Well, the interesting thing is, is no sign of Jack Gallagher in Coventry, um, which is a real shame because I think he'd be perfect for the brand. And I, whenever I see Jack Gallagher, I can't but get out of my mind the documentary that was done about him just before he left for WWE and it's it's really well done and it's all about how this guy is going to storm America he's a once in a generation talent which is all true and then you see where he is now it's so sad there's, there's so there's so much going for him but the guy who was in college was actually Cassius Ona because he has actually transferred to NXT UK inverted commas so it does look like they're going to do more of Cassius Tono. Um, whether he's still got it, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Because you, under, 
under so much restrictions in that in that system. And if they've told, if they're saying that you're a mid carder, they will make sure you wrestle like a mid carder. So he looked fine when he had some big matches in super strong style um, last year. So I don't know. I think he's, he could still turn it up a notch, but it's, it's difficult when you're slotted in. I, I, I thought the, show, the shows were fine. I thought, obviously, the crowd hurt it. But, and I think it particularly hurt that Gallagher-Bait match because you just imagine that, you know, a lot of the stuff they were doing is clearly spots designed to pop crowd and they weren't getting anything except one woman who very loudly shouted, big, strong boy, <laughs> <laughs> which pissed through everything. It's weird, it's weird with Gallagher and Bait, because I, I could have sworn they faced off uh, before Gallagher signed with WWE or headed off to the US, but yeah, it appears they've only had one match before on, uh, on NXT proper, so yeah, it'd be great to see more from those guys, and like you noted there, Will, I mean, Gallagher's not doing anything, so why not bring him back and have him part of these NXT UK shows? I mean, he's not doing a great deal else, is he? And I mean, but you alluded to it there. Uh, they had the first rounds of tapings from the Coventry Skydome, and uh, the first um, taping will be airing on the network tonight. But uh, Will, you attended them live, so uh, there might be some spoilers in here, so uh, consider yourself warned. Um, what were some of your thoughts on, on the show that you went to in Coventry? It was pretty dire, to be honest. I really didn't enjoy the experience at all. Um, um, the first thing is, so I was looking at the tickets, and it was like it was almost sold out. I thought that's that's good. It's like there's not many sold. We like, and I realised they basically opened up barely a third of the Sky Dome. So, and so that gave it quite a flat atmosphere, particularly where I was because I was, I was in a cheap I was in the cheap seats. Um, so I don't know how the atmosphere is going to translate. Um, there were some good matches. You had uh, the, the main event of tonight's show, the Travis Bank, Jordan Devlin, was a fun brawl. There's quite a good dive by Banks off the kind of the, the tiered seat and onto the uh, floor, which is quite impressive. But bizarrely, they didn't put it up on the big screen. So when they were doing their walking and brawling, you couldn't see it, which seems unusually bush league for a WWE presentation. Um, there was one point where I think Noam Dar comes out to promo about how he's now back in NXT UK. And I got, I got to be honest, when he came out, my, my action was not another bloody Scott. <laughs> it was like episode two. <laughs> episode, two. episode two is nothing but, but uh, Scottish people. Like, if you've got Wolfgang beating up, uh, you've got Wolfgang having a victory, you've got uh, Kenny Williams having a victory in his tag team with Amir Jordan, then you've got the Dahl program, then you've got Kaylee Ray, and I was just like, oh, guys. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is what other people feel like when they're, they're forced to sit through shows for with Midlanders, but it, it was a bit much. Um, the European Union are great. Um, they've got real presence. Um, so they were really, really enjoyable. I will admit, I, I, when we did the, when we did a, me, Benno and JP did a show, and we were talking about whether Walter should have been presented as Pete Dunn's mate, that seems to have actually worked quite well in terms of, it seems to have endeared Walter to a lot of the casual fans who kind of know Pete and have heard of Walter. So Walter and Pete as a tag team against Gallows actually worked quite well. It was a perfectly fun match. 
But that was just, it was, it, obviously this format is a slog. It's three hours, so you're having that, that thing where they're peaking and dropping all the time. There's a lot of matches that don't really mean much. Um, and there's, there's no heat behind the characters. Um, they seem to have done a rather cynical thing where to maximise ticket sales, they split the stars across the two nights. Mm. So didn't have, on, on the, the tape and I went to, you didn't have a Mustache Mountain match. You had no appearance by Tony Storm whatsoever. But they were advertised for both nights. So even, even if you don't want to include them on your TV, Surely, just throw them out into a dark match, uh, or even you know, like they did with Mustache Mountain again to do a quick promo. So that left a sour taste. I mean, there was one of um, there was a girl um, who like whose dad posted on Twitter about how she had been waiting all night to see Tony Storm, and she dressed like a miniature Tony Storm, and then get to see it. It's like that, that, that's the type of thing where you just need needlessly um, annoying your audience. Um, but the kind of the big story coming out of it is at the end of the taping, I tapings I went to Don't Walter win, and then they stare down over the NXT UK title as Walter basically stops Dunn from picking it up. Um, and then obviously the next night is when they announce the big Dunn versus Walter match for NXT uh, Brooklyn, um, which you know it's great. You know it's great for those guys that get their exposure. You do wonder, like, if you'd announced that for dish for a live taping, a live special in the Sky Dome, could they have sold the Sky Dome out? I think almost certainly, and it kind of just shows you the hierarchy of um, of importance that's been attached to this program. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, uh, you've discussed before, Benno, about. Uh... You know, NXT UK being the fifth brand or whatever, haven't you? And um, I mean, we've been quite disparaging about the direction of NXT UK, but as a one-off match, Pete Dunne and uh, Walter should be going out and doing what Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate did in 2017, um, you know, stealing the show at a takeover, Benno. Yeah, it's kind of like we can say from a purely NXT UK point of view, it's disappointing that's not happening on a UK takeover. But the positive is it, it is it's happening in front of a worldwide audience that probably weren't going to watch the UK takeover um, on a big weekend. It's going to be, I think, it's going to be the match that, you know, Will alluded to, you know, casual fans who may be on as a aware of Walter are going to be going away talking about, I think. People are, you know, on all levels are fully aware of, of what Pete Dunne is capable of, of at this point. But yeah, it's a it's an incredible stage for those two, and I just can't imagine them doing. You know, Pete Dunne's had a lot of middling matches over this last year or so. Um, but as far as you know, going you know out, going all out and delivering a high level match, I think he'll be well up for it. And I think Walter will be well up for it, and I think the occasion will be be much different than uh, yeah some of the the poor atmosphere we've seen in the in the TVs in the, in recent weeks. I think it's a decent there's a decent chance that headlines the takeover when you think about the rest of the cards because they're not with got with uh, Chomper out injured they're not going to have a strong uh, match for the NXT title mm. and they can't see the, the 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 tag or the women's division aren't in a position to headline. To me, that's easily going to be the biggest match on that show. And if I was him, I, I would seriously consider headlining because I think the atmosphere is going to be off the charts. Um, considering, particularly when you think about what Walter meant at last year's WrestleMania weekend. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, yeah, WrestleMania crowd is going to be all over that match, aren't they? I think we're going to see, like say, I think we're going to see uh, quite the atmosphere for that one. So, yeah, certainly something interesting to do, uh, headlining that show with. Um, we're moving away from NXT UK and on to Progress. They held uh, Chapter 84, Eskew Beef, if anybody got any buckle or undo, uh, which is uh, easy for me to say, uh, which is um, taken from a scene from the comedy show League of Gentlemen. And um, I did notice that nobody said that said that title in the show whatsoever. So obviously, uh, yeah, making me say one up on these them. shows, but, you know, couldn't even be able to say it themselves. And this was on the 24th of February at the ballroom in Condon. And um, quite a decent show, I thought. I mean, the highlight was obviously Swords of Essex, Paul Robinson and Will Ospreay defending the tag belts against Aussie Open. A cracking match that uh, did some way to uh, wipe away the memory of the Aussies' poor performance at your call last month. Um, Swords picked up the win using the belts as a weapon. Mark Davis got on the mic after and used his natural progression title shots up a rematch at Chapter 87 that we discussed earlier. And uh, Swords have been absolutely fantastic since the reform in progress here, Benno. Yeah, they have. They've been the absolute highlight of progress. Uh... I love them as a team. I love the presentation. Even the fact that they kind of they got their own entrance, but then you know Osprey's the star, so they both you know walk, they both meet on the top of the ramp and then walk down together to Osprey's music. I don't like Robinson having his jeans back. I wasn't a fan of that on this show, but yeah, as far as a, a presentation of a team goes, it's you know the, Osprey's done everything you can do in progress, and this is a way of one freshening up what you can do with him, two giving you an excuse to use him, and three I think motivating Osprey. Not that you really need to motivate Osprey, but you can tell he's motivated to be in there with his you know with his best mate and be a team there because yeah they're just delivering uh, every time out even when you know things are against them like uh, injuries like we saw in that cck match or even you know here with with kyle fletcher he seemed to legitimately get hurt on the outside but they kind of weave that so well into the match because it kind of it gave us a maybe an awkward couple of minutes but then we got a little bit of osprey crowd work in there but then we got that big kyle fletcher comeback with the that ridiculous destroyer he did to osprey bouncing halfway across the ring and we got that great osprey and and kyle showdown um, that almost went wrong on on, i think it was a powerbomb spot but all in all was a greater indication of you know where kyle fletcher could be in a in a couple of years yeah it was just a it was it was one of those matches where okay the finish was a, a little bit dirty with osprey using using the belts but at least they were creative with it with the way they did it with osprey switching between the two so that maybe soured me a little bit on the overall match from maybe a purist point of view but worthwhile doing because as we said earlier on the show it makes that tlc step make sense too so you know this was a a match going in where everyone thought i think myself included thought the swords were going to be losing um but i was made up to see them keep the belts because yeah i'd like to see them go even longer um doing this this mini run in, in progress uh tlc is probably the end for it but again uh i'd like to see as many of their matches as i can and like i said earlier I'd, i'm very tempted to go down to that progress show and a lot of it's because of seeing this match here and just imagining what a what a rematch with a with a tlc step could look like yeah, no, I, I agree with everything Ben I said. I actually really liked the finish. I thought it was really clever. I think the initial um, Davis threatening to use the, uh, the the title in full glare of the referee. Mm. I don't know if that's a deliberate play on what's been going on in uh, Rev Pro, but it kind of, that's kind of what it triggered. That's a memory it triggered in my mind. And then, you know, Davis trying not to use it. And then 
Osprey having the other belt to uh, hit him. I thought it was a great heel finish, and, and as Ben has said, really plays into the uh, step. Um, and there's just so many great, great little moments. Like there was a sit down uh, Doomsday device on Robinson. It was just, it was just a pleasure to watch. And Osprey is such a fantastic heel. Like it's, it's not news. But I think people have only seen him in New Japan, where he's kind of played this more smiley uh, baby face. Like he, as the arrogant prick heel, he's, he's just brilliant. And so yeah, this is an absolute pleasure to watch. In terms of Osprey Fletcher. Um, well worth seeking out the, the Fletcher Osprey match by Club Pro um, at the beginning of February because they, they had a great dynamic there. And even though Fletcher is simply a heel um, in Fight Club Pro, it was very much the same where Osprey was just kind of being mean to the youngster. So, yeah, no, cracking, cracking match. Yeah, I do like Osprey as a heel, especially when he's sort of like arrogantly just getting in the crowd's face as they're trying to flip him off and he's just got that like arrogant smirk on his face. I think he plays that really, really well. And um, and also on the show, we had uh, Jordan Devlin against Travis Banks, which is uh, quite familiar to all of us as the two have been feuding <laughs> on NXT UK for a while now. And uh, the dynamic's slightly different in, in this match in progress. Uh, Devlin playing the face here and Banks as the heel, with Devlin getting quite the ovation from the crowd. And uh, the match was all right, I thought. I saw a really weird comedy spot with Banks trying to crawl through various portions of the crowd to get away from Devlin, which was, just, mm. just went on forever. <laughs> I mean, the main talking about talking point around this match was uh, Banks getting DQ'd as we saw the return of TK Cooper and the debut of uh, Niwar and the reformation of a new South Pacific power trip it seemed uh, seemed to have hit the reset button on TK Cooper as there was no mention of the problems him and Banks had in the company last year on, on commentary certainly and Niwar, another wrestler who's moved over to the UK from New Zealand used to wrestle as Johnny Idol as a Appeared for a lot for your local promotion, Will uh, Fight Club Pro and uh, and Benno. But uh, but thoughts on the return of the South Pacific Power Trip and uh, this match between Devlin and Banks? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, TK Cooper caught that great promo on YouTube. Um, a little bit too similar to to what Do Not Resuscitate are doing and what Jack Zack Smith's attempting to do on his own. That uh, maybe saw it get lost a little bit in the conversation. Um, but really, I mean. They did such a god-awful job with TK Cooper last year. Absolutely killed him um, as far as booking goes with the weird three-way feud with Chris Brooks and uh, putting him in Atlas matches and him pretty much being a joke by the middle of the year after coming back so hot. I can't really blame them for, for hitting the reset button with him. I think this, you know, considering the situation we're in now, uh, he is damaged goods in progress. And I think he, he does need, you know, it's something fresh, but something familiar at the same time. It's a, just like a, it's a new version, isn't it? Of the South Pacific power trip with a, with a more kind of him and Neil Abbey and the, the two henchmen rather than, you know, the, the previous uh, dynamic they had with, uh, with Harry will not be named. Uh, it's kind of like, <laughs> it, it's interesting that they've gone back that route with him, but, what else do you do with them, really? I don't think you can. You could have slotted them back in at the top of the card. You could have really done anything else with them. I think he's a, a wrestler who it's worthwhile booking. He's a. I still, you know, I'm a big fan of him as a heel. I think he's good enough in ring. I still think there's money on the table with TK Cooper. So yeah, as far as ways to get him back into the promotion, it it makes sense for me. Um, put him in a somewhat familiar environment, but freshen her up a little bit. And yeah, as far as the match goes, it was fun. Uh, again, that early comedy wasn't 
I think Tra- Travis is so good in the moments of being that kind of comedy gaining guy trying to escape through the crowds that I almost feel bad saying I don't want to see as much of it. And that's kind of been my problem with heel Travis all the way through. I think he's he's entertaining and isolated moments, but overall, I don't know whether it does a lot for his for his character. Um, but you know, on the other side of the ring, Jordan Devlin's great as a as an everyman face. And when they did get serious, I think the match was good while it lasted and did remind us that they are you know two class wrestlers, as uh, as Will can attest to from that Coventry taping. So yeah, while it had its silly moments and maybe too many, uh, and then we did have the uh, the unfortunate uh, DQ finish. It was fun while it lasted. The, um, you mentioned Sexsmith. He had a good line about T.K. Cooper, the man who became a valet after losing his valet. Um, oh, wow. Um, now, don't say that T.K. Cooper is his henchman, because I said on Twitter and I got told off. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> but, like, I find this bizarre. Like, he did that video. Like, yeah, I don't think many fans picked up on it, but it seems like RevPro picked up on it and given it's like giving him some buckets. And the whole video was about how yeah, it had been the three of them, and it became the two of them, and now it's just me and stand stand by myself. Mm. And he's back to doing the same thing that kind of hold him under the waterline last time. I just I don't think like, he can stand by himself though at this point. I don't think if you put him in progress as a standalone act, I just don't think he's got the credibility. This is my point. I just think he has to go away from progress for a while mm. and try and re- re- rebuild himself elsewhere where he doesn't have kind of the the stink of what happened towards the end yeah. of last, uh, last year. You know, do some stuff in Rev Pro, do some sort of he's he's involved in breed, you know, just just tour the country and try and rebuild your rep. Yeah. So I, I found it quite strange. Well the match was good. I I always find the dynamic with Heel Trav weird because he's just such a good baby face. Um but uh but it was a it was a fine match. And uh, the main event was for the Progress Championship as uh, Walter beat Chris Widray here. A great hard-hitting affair. Uh, I thought most notable at the end for the fact Walter looked quite worn down by the end of the match. Not something we'd really seen uh, during his Progress uh, title run here. And then obviously we had the post-match angle with Trent Seven challenging Walter to the unification match at Super Strong Style 16, Benno. Yeah, Walter looked like he was having the time of his life in there. It's his kind of match, isn't it? Um, he likes being that big Kobashi, King's Road style kind of guy, you know, even winning with the big lariat at the end. Hard-hitting match with someone you can tell he absolutely respects. Um, I think, it, yeah, it was fun. I, To be honest, this... I really enjoyed the show. Uh, it was a ma- it was a show of two halves. The second half was much stronger than the first half, but I didn't love this match as much as the hype. I think it got a lot of hype, and I was expecting maybe something a little bit more. I do think, as I said earlier, Ridgeway, in a lot of ways, rose to the occasion. But I think it, it was kind of hamstrung by the fact that you know, even if I was there live in the building, I was never, for me personally, I don't know if we'll say different. I just didn't believe Ridgeway was ever winning. Um, I, I found it hard to kind of. You know, lose that belief uh, and lose myself in the match for that reason in some ways. But, you know, as a match where, you know, there's a clear, you know, dominant big guy and Ridgeway's the the smaller guy, you know, looking good in defeat, uh, it, it achieved its aim. Uh, and again, yeah, if I, I liked it, maybe I wasn't as high as everybody else, but I would say, you know, it, it Ridgeway walked out with more credibility in progress than he's had so far. And then maybe, you know, it, even if I didn't believe him in this match, it's given me more belief that, oh, maybe they could go the way with him. Maybe he could win super strong style. Maybe you could come round to this match later on. So, you know, certainly a positive um, again, even if I, I didn't maybe see it as, as the match of the night, I think the, uh, the swords match was uh, was the one for me. 
Yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean, I didn't... No, we spoke about this. You know, I kind of intellectualised that this may be which way he's nigh because of Walter finishing up, and they're not. No, clearly he's not going to be on the next three shows. Um, but yeah, the match never gave you a spot where you thought which way was going to win, and obviously exactly. we watched it afterwards. I think it probably the storytelling with Walter being more down at the end probably needed about five more minutes of which way offense. Like it was like I kind of when I've seen him show himself being worn out. I was like, I don't think that was a story of the match you just told. Like, get pushed to his limit, you know, which way on disrespect, but him kind of being knackered, I, I, I don't think they'd earned that. But the match was really good. I really enjoyed the match. The bit I most enjoyed, and I wish we could have seen a bit more, was when you had Walter just switching between about four different submission holds. Mm. Um, that, that was great. I really loved that type of... Uh, you know, strong, hard grappling. Um, so, you no, know, it was good. I think Ridgway earned a lot of credits and kind of proved himself worthy of being in the spots, but probably needed a little bit more time and a bit more offense for Ridgway for the story they were telling. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting with, with, with where they do go with Ridgway. I agree with you, Benno. I think he could be, uh, you know, after this match and if they build him up a bit more, be a, a strong uh, contender for Super Strong Style mm. 16. So it'll be interesting to see where they where they go with Ridgway. Uh, obviously, he's not on the next show, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him uh, moving forward. And uh, we also had two women's matches on the show as uh, Millie McKenzie beat B. Priestley and Nina Samuels beat Ginny. And... Um, I mean, well, the women's division in progress seems to be treading water until Jordan Grace comes back with the belt, doesn't it, really? <laughs> well, she's doing all these random defences um, uh, where, wherever she lays her hat. So I think she's, I think she's due to do one in Australia at some point, or she's been doing, doing some in America, um, which is slightly bizarre. You'd think you'd make sure you had dates on her before you get to the title. Um so they're doing this kind of title contention tournament. The matches were fine. I, I quite enjoyed Mackenzie Priestley. I think it was much like Priestley's match against Zoe Lucas at uh, RevPro. It'd be interesting to see whether they had another level. We could give them five more minutes because it felt like a good match, pretty short. And maybe if you'd had the extra five minutes, you could have they could have hit a new level. Ginny Nina Samuels actually wasn't that bad either. I think Ginny feels much, much better in progress and had toned down all the House of Couture stuff and not having so much interference. Um, interesting that she she took the loss. And again, it's that question of, okay, now is this the point where they kind of write her out of progress um, uh, for good? Um, because I think they sent, I think the BWE sent her to India for their latest Indian tri- to help out their latest Indian tryout. Mm. So they clearly think highly of her. But they were fine. They're better than they usually are. But it's it's just a bit of a slog time you're waiting for your championship to come back. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, were there any other highlights on the show for you, Benno? Oh, absolutely. Uh, biggest highlight for me was uh, post-zone Davey Portman turning up at the start of the show in uh, <laughs> in Jim Smallman's uh, Roasted the Crowd segment. He got picked on by Smallman, didn't he? That was a big highlight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, I, I, I've got to say, like I didn't expect to love it going in, but I really enjoyed Tim Thatcher and Trent Seven. Uh, I think doing Trent and Thatcher, they kind of made sense with the with the Walter idea coming forward, with the idea that you know, we're going to be going towards Trent and Walter anyway, so Trent's been doing a lot of comedy, so do a match like this where yeah. 
basically Thatcher completely had his way with Trent Seven uh, to the point where even when Trent's trying things like figure four leg locks, Thatcher's pretty much easily and getting out of it. And the wind yeah. from Trent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's proper pulling it out, wasn't it? But it kind of showed he had the guts to survive, and it meant that he kind of got to. It, it brought out the the quote unquote strong style side of Trent Seven, whether you, whatever you think of that, um, and he kind of got a desperation win. And it was for me the only way you could realistically tell that story because yeah, in in any other environment, uh, Tim Thatcher wipes the floor with the Trent Seven, doesn't he? But I think they did a really good job of making that believable. So I enjoyed that. Uh, but for me, yeah, it was kind of a show of two, two halves. I didn't. I think Millie McKenzie and B Priestley was definitely the stronger of the two women's matches. Um, I wasn't so sure on the Eddie Dennis promo we had in the middle of the show. It's, <laughs> is he a heel? Is he a face? He's getting heckled, heckled and he's threatening women in the crowds. Uh, odd, considering he was kind of almost placed as a baby face against Do Not Resuscitate. It was almost like a segment put there just to remind us, oh yeah, he's got a title shot. Um, kind of weird, and as you alluded to earlier on the show, Martin, the Do Not Resuscitate getting battered about by Mark Haskins definitely wasn't a highlight. They couldn't have more established where on the card that group is, and they couldn't have looked more ineffective needing Spike Trevay to come in with it for a DQ. So they were very much my negatives of the show. But yeah, th- please don't let that distract from how good I thought that, you know, the last uh, three or four matches were. Because I do think it was a, a very, very strong, at least, second half from progress uh, for this Because unlike many people, I was down on Do Not Resuscitate when it launched. And it's because I just feel the three characters I've got, they are much blander in this faction than they are apart. And it's even like the way they look, like they've toned down each guy's look so they look more plausible together and you know i'm quite you know i'm quite high in trevay i'm quite high in mambo drew parker less so but they're just not showing any personality in this in this gimmick so it's not just the fact that they're being booked to have lived in terms of wins and losses it's that the fun different stuff they offered is just gone away and they they can do it on other shows and it's a shame they're not being allowed to do it on the big show on the Thatcher uh, Seven match you know I, I thought that was really strong Seven can go when he wants to like he doesn't have many singles matches like again I was I was just looking I was just curious about how many singles matches he had had like he has like one a year in like a pro the past three years in terms of a one-on-one singles match but when he does it and it's serious, he, you know, he's, he's not bad. And I think this set the 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 Thatcher match was a ba- great way of, it, of kind of hinting at the match with Walter. And if we assume that Walter beats Pete Dunne in Brooklyn, then you have this really nice storyline of Walter basically been picking off which is strong style in different contexts. And can Trent the least respected of the trio the one with the least the, the, the least impressive win set can he be the one to uh finally dethrone the big austrian so i think that's quite good and actually unusually for progress's commentary i actually think the commentators did a good job of telling trent's story in that match and um, getting over the idea that he's not kind of left by himself as the his younger charges go off and have success in america yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right there with Trent. I think there is a very interesting story to tell with him there because he he is the least flashiest member out of that trio, isn't he? So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go with that. Um, but yeah, I agree with Trevay. I mean, any momentum that he built up with that uh, death match against Jimmy Havoc the other year, and uh, any momentum he built up seems to have gone now. Now you say like he he just seems to be another guy in this faction. So yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's, it's not the best for this do not resuscitate. And uh, I mean, myself and I think you as well, Benno, uh, thought it was quite promising to start off with, but any momentum any of the guys have gone seems to be totally gone. So, uh, I mean, but uh, moving on now, Will, last time you were on the show, you were headed to the debut show by Breed Wrestling. Um, I mean, just briefly, how was the show and your initial thoughts on this new company? Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I went with a couple of uh, couple of friends, and it was a cracking day. Like the venue is great. It's a real shame they're not running again for the next few shows. Um, but it's like this old school theatre with like proper old school cinema seats. So like you really are kind of leaning back watching the wrestling. It is very much taking that kind of the crowd, all the crowd in front of the ring um, to to the nth degree, and they just had like. It was like a superior version of a family-friendly show, and it had its own sense of identity. Like the the, the, the big thing was uh, Mambo. I think it was Mambo wins the title as who wins the title? No, it's TK Cooper wins the title with help from Chuck Mambo and Spike Trevet. Um, and that's kind of that kind of makes sense in terms of escaping at the uh, mid-card pod, uh, podcasts. And so that might be quite interesting. You had some great stuff with Trevet and Lucky Kid where the Lord Mayor of Sheffield was getting involved on Lucky Kids' uh, sides. <laughs> um, and some really good comedy involving uh, Martina and the anti-fun police, with uh, Martina having been uh, the uh, reserve guarder, Martina, as she, she was serving community service by working with the anti-fun police. So, uh, and then because she did not comply, she's now got to be a ring crew for the next show. So, yeah, no, like, it, it was really good. And I think... This, I realised I counted up. In the, this is a fifth debut show I've been to for a promotion because I went to the first What Culture, first Lucha Forever, first uh, Fight Forever, first uh, WrestleGate. Um, so if, you, if you're organising your debut show, don't don't invite me. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not a good luck charm. But this is one that really felt like it had its own personality. Like I don't want to rag on WrestleGate because they're trying their best. But you didn't know what they were trying to do with the promotion. Whereas I thought Bree, they clearly want to have, kind of get across that kind of northern sense of humour. It, it's not a pure family show. It, it does have great, you know, it does have action that will appeal to kind of your super indie fans. But it has that uh, family vibe as well. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a home run. I, I might go to the second one. I, I might not because I might be tired after Coward. But it's certainly a promotion I want to go to again. Yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, checking it out on BOD, not a chance yet. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there they've got a big card lined up on St. Patrick's Day, 17th of March at uh, the Memorial Hall in Sheffield. Uh, Ilya Dragunov against Chris Ridgway, Bree champion TK Cooper against Lucky Kid, and uh, Spike Trevay against uh, Carlos Romo. So looks like uh, another fun show for them, but... Um, <laughs> But finally, um, a story that came out recently, Grado, the Scottish wrestler who seems to have been pretty quiet in, in ring for a while now, is uh, still quite the mainstream star in his home of Scotland, will host a new game show entitled Test Drive, which sees uh, three teams driving around answering questions via their sat-nav as they head to a well-known tourist attraction. I mean, I don't think Pointless need to uh, be too worried at this point, but it... Seems uh, Grado moving more and more away from wrestling and carving out a nice career as a TV star here, Benno. 
He really is. He's become like a household name, hasn't he, in Scotland? Not just for, for wrestling either. Like, uh, This came across my radar just seeing... It was mentioned in The Observer, and I saw some Facebook videos as well with hundreds of thousands of views and you know hundreds of people commenting on you know, how much they love this Grado guy and barely a mention of the fact that he's actually a wrestler. It's just, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That he's he's kind of, we don't see a lot of him uh, in ring at this point. We get to, but he's out there, you know, getting legitimate work like this as a, a legitimate star as far as above the border goes. Uh, I'm not 100% on yet yeah, whether it's the type of show I'll be interested in watching. The uh, So I watched the trailer for it and, it you know, it's just Grado uh, just being just being Grado, but in a car uh, for a camera with, uh, with different people coming and going and yeah, hosting these road trips through Scotland. Uh, I've never been to Scotland, so maybe I should watch it to uh, to see some of those beautiful landscapes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it looks. I think the whole series is on iPlayer uh, as it as it stands already now, uh, so people can go out and check it out. But yeah, just very interesting that yeah, Grado maybe quietly to us in our in our wrestling bubble is is actually making uh, quite the name for himself, isn't he? Uh, outside of wrestling. To repair my reputation with the people of Scotland, um, it's, Scotland's quite good if you go by train because there are some stunning scenes where you're like right next to the coast, and it looks it looks absolutely amazing. The one interesting thing I think about this is one of the things we might not be aware of here in England is is the BBC kind of under pressure from Scottish Nationalist Party, Scottish government has launched a BBC Scotland channel. Uh, mm. And so there is a drive to get more and more Scottish content, which is where Grade is getting a lot of this work. And it is an interesting question if ICW hadn't effectively sold their promotion to WWE already, would they have had the phone call from BBC who just want an hour of Scottish content that they can put on this channel? I mean, I think what Decision Progress made... It probably won't end well for the promotion. Won't end well for promotion and promotions fans. Those three owners, though, they, they, they will be fine. I do wonder if ICW, if they made a mistake with the way the Scottish media landscape um, is evolving. Yeah, that's interesting. But I suppose, yeah, like you said, there, we won't find out now. But, um, but. I mean, I suppose moving back to Grado, I mean, Benno, he's, he's come a long way, hasn't he? I mean, I always remember there was some kind of story in one of the re- in the dark days of the wrestling forums when they were popular of uh, Grado getting lost uh, on his way to try and find York Hall in London or something similar to that. I mean, he was quite the uh, prominent member of certain wrestling forums at one point or another, wasn't he? Yeah, that was the UK fan forum. His username on there is Lost Scott. Still to this day, that's his name on it because yeah, he went he went down for a York Hall show and got himself lost. Uh, yeah, he's gone from being a, a ship poster on a forum to to again being a household name in Scotland. And <laughs> who's a thought it? Um, but yeah, he's 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 got the charisma and he's he is a he's a. Sometimes his comedy doesn't land in wrestling, but I do think you know the, the clips I've seen. He's he's ideal for those kind of light-hearted TV shows, isn't it? And yeah, it just shows yeah you can. All of us uh, who were, were forum trolls in the mid two thousands, it's uh, it's not too late. Maybe we could be uh, be stars on BBC <laughs> Scotland too. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, before we get out of here, uh, Will, where can people read more and uh, hear more from you? So, at Ficeman Magazine, uh, this month I have a feature on Becky Lynch, and in the next issue, which will be out towards the end of March, you'll find my thoughts on Chris Brooks, and also my kind of plea for AEW to not follow the WWE's weekly TV model, 
Um, and you can also hear me on It Could Be Says slash It Could Be Wrestling. And also, we are finally going to do our first first pod of Fight Club Pro um, of 2019. I'm um, literally about half an hour's time. So, yes, plenty of ways to find me. Excellent. <laughs> I've got just the one plug. Uh, I did the, we were talking about the WXW earlier, and I left out the uh, the big event going on this weekend on uh, on Friday afternoon. Uh, maybe I'll sell some extra tickets. There's a podcast marathon going on, uh, 3 p.m. at the House Union in Oberhausen, and yeah, you can you can come out and see me. Allegedly, uh, we're doing a uh, it's headlined by uh, the Botcher Mania crew, uh, Matthew. There's also Alan Farrell's doing a live podcast. Brit Res Roundtable from Voices of Wrestling is doing a live podcast. And myself, uh, Joe and JP from the Indie Corner are going to be up on stage uh, talking about uh, Carrot in general as a destination weekend, talking about British and German uh, wrestling relations and uh, probably uh, lots of uh, fun stuff as well. So yeah, if anybody is over uh, in Oberhausen, do uh, come over and listen to us. And hey, Martin, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to get you over at some point to germany and maybe we can do a do a live bwe as well exactly yeah that'd be that'd be something interesting that's for sure <laughs> and, um, i mean um, head over to forum.postwrestling.com leave your feedback from this week's show and uh let us know your thoughts from any of our shows and uh john way i've got a few competitions up uh one where i believe that you can win uh, a ticket to the big new japan show um, on the saturday night uh, by sending in um, a 20 second promo to them so certainly be sure to enter that if you want in a ticket for that big new japan show um and yeah thanks for listening and we'll be back on the 20th of march uh, with live reviews from 16 carat and uh, ott scrapper mania 5 thanks for listening and we'll catch you then <laughs>